It's time for a Friday edition of Midday here on KRVN. Scott Foster with you as we take a look at our next couple hours here on the air. Lots of stuff going on, including a very interesting uh, ag report. We'll get to that uh, in just a little bit. We've got Susan Littlefield on the line right now. And uh, just and there's a call coming in for <laughs> talking about the ag report right now. <laughs> I know. It's probably... So it's probably somebody needing their sheep sheared because they notice it's going to be a hundred this weekend. What a what an awful job that's going to be! Gee, oh yeah. Gee. So what do you got for us today, Susan? Well, we are going to take a look at the weather. We all know that it's going to warm up, which is good news for the corn and the beans. But for for us humans and livestock, not such a good thing. We'll get more from Shaley Peters coming up here at twelve nineteen. Then we hear from Congressman Adrian Smith at twelve forty five as he talks about everything from taxes and health care to trade in E15. And then we wrap it up at 117 with Fridays in the Field with folks brought to you by Big Iron Realty. And we're going to check in with Kevin Siffrin. He lives about, oh, four miles north of where I am at. And he unfortunately got hit with some high winds and hail on Wednesday, which caused some damage to his fields. Okay, very good. Boy, lots of those stories this year, hasn't there? Ain't that the truth. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. Yep, have a good weekend. Turn it over to Jason. And how about a Nebraska kid doing well in the PGA? Nate Lashley, in the pride of Mitchell, Nebraska, had the overnight lead at the PGA event, which is going on in Detroit. Now he's about to uh, tee off for his second round right now. He's four back. It's the way it's set up. It looks like it'd be one of those events where you know there'll be a lot of low scores. But he fired a nine under yesterday, sixty three. He's 36 now. Of course, okay. he's had some family tragedy in his life. He's kind of pinged around a little bit on the PJ Tour. He's also been on the uh, other event, but what a what a day for him. That's really awesome. That's uh, really- you'd hope he'd go out today and be solid again and at least make the cut. He was he was just an alternate for this event. Wouldn't be the first time a guy was an alternate and then showed up and won the whole thing. But uh, you don't often hear about a Nebraska native doing something or having the lead at a PGA event. And who did you say was the last Well, Stu Pospis from the Omaha World Herald tweeted that everyone's, um, you know, thinking about this, that the great Tom Seekman in the mm-hmm. early 90s yep. had the lead a couple of times. That's uh, really something. Uh, well, I, and, I, and when I think of Nebraska golfers, I think of Mark Kalkovecchia, who was a really right. good Right, and I, I think he spent some of his life in Nebraska, then most yeah. of it was in Florida. That's true. Uh, but uh, still great story. We'll hear from Lashley about his day to remember him. Also, we'll talk about the Nebraska danger. They snuck into the playoffs. They upset Green Bay last week, and tomorrow night they're on the road against Arizona. They've had a couple of close games this year against Arizona. Quarterback Tommy Armstrong has played well for the danger down the stretch. And also, uh, former Husker James Palmer. He's a member of the Phoenix Suns Summer League team. Sounds like they have a roster of a guy, bunch of guys that like to chuck it up, so he'll he'll fit right in. He will. <laughs> Very good. That's a good fit for him. All right. Thank you, Jason. Bob Brogan's in here. He's wearing a long sleeve shirt on a day when it's going to get 100 degrees. Go ahead, Bob. What do you got? You know, um, I'm as cool, cool as a cucumber right now. Okay. And uh, I think that's all I need to say. <laughs> Banks are leading the stocks higher today in midday trading after the Federal Reserve gave money, uh, gave many of them permission to raise their dividends and buy back more stock. JP, uh, JP Morgan Chase and Bank of America each rose 2.8% today. Other headlines, consumer spending up four-tenths of a percent. Those are some of the stories we're watching. That's all coming up on Midday. 
Hi, I'm Dewey Nelson, and January 21st is the new date for our South Pacific Wonders Tour with Colette Guided Touring. Explore the tropical splendor of the Great Barrier Reef on Australia's northeast coast. Visit the beauty of glacial fjords on New Zealand's South Island. Cruise Sydney Harbor and Milford Sound. Meet Australia's wildlife up close. Discover the wonders of Aboriginal culture. All this in the company of the top tour managers in the business. Colette makes travel easy and fulfilling. All the details, flights, meals, hotels, sightseeing, and local experiences are all taken care of. Your only job is to have the time of your life. Don't miss out on Colette's South Pacific Wonders Tour. To learn more, visit krvn.com or call 800-581-8942. Again, the number is 800-581-8942. It's why they travel. Colette. Time for us to take a look at uh, our weather and how it affects agriculture for us and around the world. And Paul Perkins in here, and uh, we knew this was coming. It's really interesting when uh, high pressure comes in and starts to dominate things, our weather forecasts get really small. Yes, uh, we don't have to talk about a whole lot other than sunny and hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the pattern for the next uh, three days today all the way through Sunday. It looks like that ridge will start to let up as we head towards early next week. Some Periodic chances of thunderstorms on the way then, and those temperatures a little closer to seasonal by then. But right now, uh, definitely the heat is on. It's already at 95 in Holyoke, northeast Colorado. A lot of us, uh, Holyoke, though, they don't have to deal with the humidity like uh, many areas of Nebraska and Kansas have to. Uh, we are seeing that humidity also be a factor, and that's increasing those heat index readings. So do take it uh, easy today because you don't want to stay out in that sun and heat for too long and definitely drink plenty of water for today. The, you know, when I walked out today, what it felt like was, <laughs> oh, man, I need to go put up hay because these were the kind of days we always put up hay when it was hot and humid. Exactly. Yeah, right now this temperature is on into the low and mid-80s in much of Nebraska, but we are seeing some upper 80s from Grand Island on into eastern nebraska and also much of northern kansas 88 right now at grand ellen 88 at beatrice already and once again we mentioned that 95 at holyoke we sell out temperatures in much of west and central nebraska though in the low and mid 80s those dew points currently on into the mid and upper 60s in many locations some low 70s for dew points in eastern nebraska and kansas and when you Combine that with the temperature, that makes it feel like it's in the upper 80s to low 90s across much of the region today. We're underneath that building ridge of high pressure, hot and dry weather. We'll continue for today through the weekend. Some southerly winds actually going to be on the lighter side and also that humidity remaining high. So that's going to lead to those uncomfortable heat index values or what it feels like. With the heat and humidity, going to make it feel like it's about 100 to 105. If those values do exceed 105, they do issue a heat advisory. The highest heat index value is likely to be across eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas, where that humidity or those dew points are the highest. Now, Sunday night into Independence Day, that high-pressure ridge begins to flatten for Sunday night into Monday. Often on thunderstorm chances will be possible as disturbances track across the outer edges of that ridge. The better chances, the farther north you go. But those chances of rain looking to be just mainly small ones. Temperatures will cool back down to near seasonal levels in the mid-80s to low-90s for Sunday, Monday into Independence Day. In our long-term forecast, the Nebraska and Kansas temperatures look to be seasonal to slightly warmer than normal for Wednesday through July 11th. So you're 
Fourth of July holiday looking plenty warm for you during early July. Central Nebraska daytime highs usually in the mid to upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low 60s. With that warmth, it's not going to dry up. Above normal rainfall is forecast for Wednesday through July 11th in Nebraska and Kansas. Weather factors in the markets include favorable crop weather for the Midwest and extreme heat continuing for a few more days in Europe. Midwest crops are likely to benefit from mostly warmer than normal temperatures sticking around for another five to seven more days. That will be followed by slightly cooler weather and some chances of rain. For the northern plains, the warmer temperatures and Periodic rain will be favorable for developing corn, soybeans, and the spring wheat. The central and southern plains maturing wheat and wheat harvest will benefit from drier and hotter weather the next five to seven days. Summer crops actually looking to benefit also as long as it does not stay hot for too long. Extreme heat in Europe will continue for many areas the next several days with a ridge of high pressure. It's tapping into heat from the Sahara Desert in northern Africa, and that's giving some of those areas some of the hottest temperatures they've ever experienced. Stress remains high for late-filling winter crops and developing corn, especially in France. It's not expected to be as hot 6 to 10 days from now, but not much rain also expected. So uh, kind of a precarious situation right now in Europe for those crop areas. You know, you mentioned the Sahara Desert. I noticed yesterday they were talking about on the Weather Channel that dust blowing from the Sahara was actually reaching the eastern part of the United States. Wow. Holy cow. <laughs> the eastern part, huh? Yeah. I had not heard that. That's they had, interesting. They had pictures of uh, like sunset in Washington and stuff like that. It was very red, and uh-huh. that's what it was from. Yeah. You know, I kind of noticed the moon, uh, the sliver yeah. of the moon that we're getting right now, a little bit uh, yeah. on the orange they side. They said it could be getting this far. That's just nuts. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't want to be in that. We can, it can be hot. It doesn't need to be Sahara hot either, <laughs> so we don't need any of that. Well, thank you so much, Paul. And as Paul mentioned, please stay hydrated if you're out there working. I know a lot of producers are trying to catch up on stuff just uh, be careful don't overdo it exactly all right thank you so much paul where do you go to check in on your weather krvn.com you depend on ag information to make decisions that affect your bottom dollar but with news changing it can be difficult to keep up headlines for the heartland presented by the nebraska corn board will keep you up to speed catch the program each saturday at 753 right here on 880 krvn with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, got a little heat finally starting to feel like summertime. I guess it is officially summer, so it can. Uh, But what can we expect? More heat? Do we have rain on the way? What is going on as we head into this weekend and next week weather-wise? Well, I think at least for the first couple of days of this forecast, it's a relatively straight forecast. And, you know, we got a lot of people out there trying to get some hay put up. And, of course, we've got these warmer temperatures moving in as we've got this ridge that's transposed itself from the central southern Rockies and pushed it toward the central southern plains. And so where the rainy action is going to be is around the periphery of that ridge. So we are still seeing the snow melt occurring within the Rockies. So that's actually being helped to funnel along the periphery of this high-pressure system. And as we go through the weekend, that wa- uh, several waves will move around the periphery of that region. And most likely the first impact will be felt in the northwestern Panhandle. And that could occur 
as early as Saturday afternoon with the potential for an isolated thunderstorm to develop. But more importantly, it looks like a piece of energy will move out as we go through Sunday night into Monday. And that looks like the northern half of the Panhandle will have the best opportunity for widespread precipitation and some of that moving in to north-central Nebraska, right along the Nebraska-South Dakota border. And then as we go into the day Monday, we start to see a push a little bit farther toward the south as the ridge gets pushed down a little bit farther toward the south, and that's going to allow a lot of thunderstorm activity to potentially develop over the northern one-third of the state, with the most likely area for more significant moisture being extreme north-central and northeast Nebraska. And then we will also see, as we go into Monday night and Tuesday, we'll see that sag even farther southward, and that will impact more of the southern half of the state with thunderstorm activity, and then we repeat this again on Tuesday morning uh, with some of that leftover precipitation and with the potential for another wave to develop as we go into uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday, and again on Wednesday night and Thursday. So it looks like this scattered thunderstorm activity will pick up in earnest as we go into the Monday time frame through the Friday time frame. We'll also start to see a cool down in temperatures, and this is where things get really tricky depending on which model run you look at, the amount of cloud cover, and as this ridge flattens down and the energy moves to the east, we start carving out a trough once again in the eastern corn belt. So we see an influx of cooler air to our northeastern portion of the state and points off to the east. If that is able to dive a little bit farther or dig a little bit farther to the south, we'll push some of the cooler air back into the Time for us to check in on sports. Jason Jorgensen here with us. And uh, Nebraska Danger, Tommy Armstrong playing pretty good right now. Yeah, they've uh, got kept their season alive. They'll be in action tomorrow night in Arizona as they go for the intense conference championship. Former Huskers turned in a solid season in his first year in Grand Island, passing for almost 1,800 yards and 27 touchdowns. He's also the team's leading rusher with more than 700 yards on the ground and 26 more scores. Now, Nebraska's won back-to-back games. First, they upset Iowa to get into the playoffs. Then they turn around and went on the road and beat Green Bay last week 45-40. Tomorrow night's game is set to start at around 8 o'clock Central Time in Arizona. Well, Nebraska native Nate Lashley birdied the final three holes in five of the last six for a 9-under-63 and the first-round lead yesterday at the PGA Tour's first event in Detroit. The 36-year-old Lashley had the lowest score in his PGA Tour career. A day after finding out he would have a chance to compete at the Detroit Golf Club, he made the tournament as an alternate, and he talked to the Golf Channel about his big day. Uh, you know, mindset-wise, I'm just, just trying to play relaxed and, and confident golf out there, just, you know, get up. Take it one shot at a time, you know, just the old, same old thing that everybody says. But uh, it's not easy to do, you know. It's you see how it goes tomorrow. Hopefully, can go out there and play like today, play play relaxed golf and uh, have some fun. He's believed to be the first Nebraska native to have the overnight lead at a PGA event since Tom Seekman in the 1991 Bay Hill Classic. Uh, Lashley's about to tee off in his second round at this time. The leaders had moved out to a 13-under, so it looks like it's one of those tournaments where it'll have to be uh, several several strokes under par to be in competition. Phoenix Suns have added James Palmer Jr. to their summer league roster. We'll see what the former Husker can do in the Valley of the Sun this summer. And the Creighton baseball team finished the season ranked in six national polls. Blue Jays were ranked as high as 19th in the perfect game poll. They were also ranked 25th by Baseball America and 23rd in the USA Today coaches poll. And Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal have been set up for a potential semifinal matchup at Wimbledon. 
with defending champion Novak Djokovic in the top half of the men's bracket. The second-seeded Federer and third-seeded Nadal ended up placed together in the bottom half during Friday's draw at the All-England Club. Nadal is ranked second and Federer third, but that was reversed by Wimbledon's seeding system, which takes into account grass court results over the past two years. We'll see how that shakes out that that is a sign of midsummer it is i I can still remember being at a friend's house on july 4th watching bjorn borg and john McEnroe play each other back in the day with the old wooden that's and yvonne lindell back in the day how many fourth of july's did he ruin knocking out an american that's a check of sports for more find it anytime at krvn.com i'm jason jorgensen Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has running boards and tinted windows. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through the Nebraska Cattlemen. Helping us bring the ram to your town is CHS, creating connections to empower agriculture. SureTop Angus and Charlay, Farnham and Nutrien Ag Solutions. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. Time for us to take a look at news. Dave Schroeder's joined us in studio. And Dave, good to have you back, first of all. Nice Welcome. to have you. Welcome. <laughs> um, big funeral yesterday, really an emotional thing. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's kind of reverberating across the state. Absolutely. More than 300 people, including Governor Pete Ricketts and law enforcement officers from around the country, attended the funeral of Nebraska State Trooper killed in a car crash in western Nebraska. The funeral for 51-year-old Trooper Jerry Smith was held in Scotts Bluff a week after he died. The Trooper Smith's daughter, Michelle, was among those who spoke at his memorial service. His love for his wife was apparent in every way possible, and the pride he held for his children was the same. Dad taught us everything imaginable from something as simple as riding a bike to the most critical life lesson of always standing up for what's right. One of the best things that he instilled in all of us was to never stand back and watch something being done wrong. That it isn't always easy to do the right thing, but you must stand up for what's right, no matter how hard the path may be. We strongly believe that this is exactly what motivated him to be the man that he was and live the life of service that he did. Smith, who had a lengthy career in the military that included being awarded a Bronze Star Medal, joined the patrol at age 47. No one was hurt when a small plane landed in a southwest Omaha neighborhood a few hundred feet short of a runway. Pilot Eugene Putris of Frazee, Minnesota, says he's sure his single-engine Cessna ran out of fuel at around 4 o'clock this morning, and he came down on a residential street. Ground damage was limited to a backyard fence. The front gear crunched up under the engine as the plane pitched forward onto its nose. As well, the propeller blades were bent and another tire flapped. Patrice says he'd intended to land at the nearby Millard Airport, having flown from Fargo, North Dakota, to pick up his son and return to Fargo. 
The Platte Institute will visit North Platte in July to host a town hall program on property tax reform featuring Nebraska Senators Mike Groney, Luann Linehan, and John Lowe serving as panelists for the event. The town hall will be held at the Prairie Arts Center on Thursday, July 25th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Registrations for the property tax reform town, uh, town hall is free and open to the public. The Kansas Supreme Court has ruled that cities have the power to raise the age for buying tobacco products, even though Kansas law sets it at 18. The unanimous decision overturns a lower court order that blocked Topeka from enforcing an ordinance increasing the age for buying tobacco to 21. A company operating Vape Bear Topeka and Puffs and Stuff challenged the ordinance just before it was set to take effect. It argued that the ordinance conflicted with the Kansas law setting the age at 18. But the Kansas Supreme Court said nothing in the law prevents a city from setting a higher age. More than 20 cities and counties in Kansas have set the age at 21. A company attorney said businesses will face a patchwork quilt of regulations. That's a check of news. I'm Dave Schroeder. Well, you got to appreciate puffs and stuff, though. That's uh, that's a pretty good name. That's for, a creative uh, name. Yes, yes. <laughs> they are. They're really trying to knock down on uh, nicotine use and tobacco you've seen in schools. So, yes, be interesting what they were. It'd be interesting in southeast Nebraska right. too. Right with that's, Fairbury. Yes. That's right. So, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Trade, tariffs, and agriculture. One U.S. congressman says he does not have a liking to it. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. U.S. Congressman Adrian Smith, who represents the 3rd District in Nebraska, talked about trade issues and its effects in ag. The trade issues I think we are making progress on. I'm not a fan of tariffs, and so I hope we can uh, work through this. But I think a lot of folks know how serious the president is at, at addressing the fact that China is cheating and and that uh, we want to um, fix this moving forward. I think we've seen great progress on USMCA and going from the earlier renegotiations of NAFTA cleared through now the process to arriving at a better uh, position than we were before. So I, I think we are close to getting this passed. All it needs in the House is to be scheduled. I, I think we will have the votes there. I, I think that Ambassador Lighthizer, Trade Ambassador uh, Lighthizer, has been very diligent in hearing out both sides of the aisle and has, has worked hard to formulate a, a product that I think is bipartisan in nature and, and more importantly is, is good for our country, puts consumers in a better situation, puts ag producers in a better situation, uh, along with many others. And considering the current pattern that agriculture has been in, some are questioning the path that we're going down when it comes to trade, for example, with China or Japan. So the congressman was asked his thoughts on the White House and trade. Well, it's hard to say at this point. I I know that uh, there's a lot of struggle in the ag economy uh, and with with low prices, uh, it, it... it, it is very tough, and and I hope that you know then that's exacerbated by disasters and and just uh, so many uh, different uh, different economic conditions and just different dynamics. And so, uh, ag producers though they know how important trade is. I, I think the American people 
have a, a renewed appreciation for trade and what we need to do to export more products, what we need to do to level the playing field. I know that the administration focusing on a trade agreement with Japan is very good for American agriculture. Now, just as an, one example, right now, Japan has a more than 40% tariff on some U.S. beef. A trade agreement would likely bring that down to zero or close to it, therefore making U.S. beef more affordable to Japanese consumers. And we know we have a, a high-quality product, and when that product can, can be more affordable for consumers around the world, in this case Japan, everyone is better off. And one area that Congressman Smith has been working on has been E15. Right. This uh, E15 is an issue that I've been working on. This is an, an opportunity to give consumers more choices at the pump. And uh, certainly corn growers and, and uh, refiners of, of ethanol, uh, they have the opportunity to sell more products and engage with consumers along the way. Uh, this is really uh, about... You know, removing some regulations, some unnecessary, outdated regulations that ultimately can bring about a win-win scenario for producers and consumers. And having affordable health care affects everybody. doesn't matter if you live in the big city or you're in rural Nebraska. Well, we had a, a bipartisan markup in Ways and Means Committee yesterday on, on a handful of bills that uh, I think will help remove some regulations or at least delay some regulations facing smaller hospitals. Uh, the uh, direct supervision requirement of, of small hospitals is is really a, an example of just going too far. It it does not uh, acknowledge the realities uh, of care uh, that uh, are are available, especially in smaller hospitals. And they, we know we've got uh, good providers. Uh, that it, it's unnecessary to require an MD to be uh, present. Uh, for drawing blood, you know, early in the morning, especially when, you know, if something would go awry, there are MDs uh, readily available, uh, oftentimes just a short distance from a hospital, even in the rural areas. And so this regulation, uh, we are looking at delaying, and I I would prefer a a permanent removal of that regulation because it is unnecessary, Uh, but this is an opportunity to delay it, and I certainly want to take advantage of that. And the congressman also addressed estate tax. The tax issues uh, we know are important. Uh, there's been a proposal to uh, increase the estate tax, the death tax that ag producers really uh, feel the brunt of, and we don't we don't want to raise that tax back up. We made progress last uh, in, in 2017 uh, with uh, backing that off, and we are at a, a much better position now. Um, there are proposals pending right now to raise the payroll tax, raise the the, uh, corporate tax that we know tends to push companies out of our country, and and we want to be competitive. Even President Obama acknowledged that we needed a better corporate tax rate than what we had previously so we can keep uh, keep companies in America, and uh, we don't want to encourage companies to uh, take their their finances uh, elsewhere, because then we get exactly zero uh, a share of of what they would would pay in taxes. Otherwise, those comments with Congressman Adrian Smith. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at the financial markets and see what's going on as we take a look first of all at the 
Markets in the overnight, and of course, markets influenced by the G20 summit going on right now. The Japanese Nikkei was down 62 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was down 78. Now, the FTSE in London was actually up, and that's a first for a little while. They were up 23 points, and the German DAX index up big time, 129. Here in the United States, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 49. The NASDAQ is up 19. And the S&P index is up nine right now. Big gainers right now, uh, along with Western Digital, Constellation, ConAgra up this time. They were down earlier. Cisco Systems, one of the big losers. We turn to Bob Brogan right now. And, uh, Bob, how are things looking? Well, banks are leading midday gains for U.S. stocks. Uh, and uh, Wall Street, uh, on Wall Street, after the Federal Reserve gave many of them permission to raise dividends and buy back more stock. The Federal Reserve late yesterday approved the plans by the country's 18 biggest banks to return more money to shareholders. The approval was part of the Fed's annual checkup of the banking system. Progress Software jumped after reporting earnings that easily beat analysts' forecasts. Bond yields held steady. In other action today, consumer spending up just a tad. About four-tenths of a percent in May, a modest gain that suggests Americans remain cautious about their finances. The Commerce Department said that incomes rose five-tenths percent and inflation remained tame, increasing just one-and-a-half percent over the past year. Lowe's has selected Charlotte, North Carolina, to house a 2,000-employee global tech hub. Lowe's is putting $153 million toward the project while the state is giving a $54 million incentives grant to be paid over 12 years if Lowe's meets job creation and investment targets. Real Real, yes, uh, such a good name, they had to say Real twice. The secondhand fashion online retailer is going public today, testing investors' appetite for an online marketplace for pre-owned discounted Gucci handbags and other luxury goods. The San Francisco company, founded in 2011, will debut on the NASDAQ under the ticker REAL. Yesterday, the offering of 15 million shares was priced at $20 each, and that would raise $300 million before expenses. Those are some of the stories making headlines today. I think it would be a better story, Bob, if it would have been in New York, New York, or something like that. If it would have been Rio Rio in New York, New York, that would make sense. Yeah, that would that would, would make work. sense. Yeah, but in the fashion world, this probably works. I'm sure it does. Just like if you if you car started calling yourself Scott Scott, mm-hmm. think of how popular you would be, and no one no one would ever forget, would they? No, probably no. I bet and, you they would. <laughs> I, I'm thinking, you know, are the people that just go by the one name, you know, broken, something like that. Okay, we're not going anywhere with this. All right, commodities down across the board. Oil, gas, gold, silver, corn, all down right now. It's Friday, which means it's time for Big Iron Realty's Fridays in the Field. We're going to head just outside of Rising City, where I catch up with Kevin Siffering, where earlier in the week a storm moved through. Well, it was, uh, it's been cultivated and, uh, was doing really good for fighting off all the cold and everything else that came at it and uh, as you can see it uh, it was pretty tall the ones that are standing and then 
um, our 20% chance turned into uh, a whole bunch of hurricane force wind. What well, looked like hurricane, I don't know that it was that. It wasn't that fast, obviously, but uh, and it hailed too. So I don't know how many times it hailed because you couldn't really see the hail because it was blowing and raining so hard. So it. Uh, so there's what we got. I mean, this morning at 8:30, it hailed for about five minutes, about marble size, and some bigger than that, and some smaller. But uh, that was probably the average is marble. And as you can see, it. Uh, it was doing well and now a whole lot of that's leaning. Some are snapped. They won't come back up and some will. A lot of that will come up. It's not that bit, not that tall. If it was taller, it may not, but without the weight of the ear and everything else on it now, I have high hopes that a lot of that will come up when the weather lets it. It'll take a while. Help it now. It's got plenty of moisture, so it just probably kind of help it speed grow out of this because it's, at least it's young, so it has plenty of, plenty of leaf tissue to, uh, help itself just grow right now since it doesn't have the ear and isn't pollinating or anything so I have high hopes that this number here is specifically for silage you can't combine it it doesn't have the right I don't know something in the corn doesn't dry down right so it only it is only silage and it grows super fast super tall and it uh, it just uh, the stage it was in it was growing so fast I think that's a factor why a lot of it fell over and with all the rain that's been received in the area, one might wonder, how deep do those roots go? They're not in swamp, and it was cultivated, so I think that probably, I don't know, that kind of stirs the roots, I think, a lot, because once you cultivate it, it grows a whole bunch right after that. So it, uh, I don't know how deep they are now. Well, I haven't dug, but uh, this stuff was definitely getting some roots the way it was taking off, because this was my second-to-last planted field of corn, so... But there's always weed concerns there. They're a constant battle. So uh, luckily, uh, I mean, this stuff, it got, uh, it was just pre-plant and sprayed, and then it was uh, cultivated only. So, and it's really clean. So, you know, most stuff worked pretty good. The pre-plant had plenty of rain, obviously, so it uh, worked good. And cultivation this year didn't have as much uh, time as you would have liked between, you know, kill time after you cultivated and then it rained. Well, we all know how many times it rains, so it hasn't had uh, hasn't had a great amount of kill time on that. But yeah, as far as the mostly the weed control worked for well, it's kind of hard to find a window here to spray the beans now, so that's not working very good. But Cifrin was able to get his soybeans planted in between all the different weather events and the humor of a friend. As the rains moved through Wednesday, a shark fin appeared in that now flooded soybean field. Eighth or sixth. May 17th of May. I think we had that all planted after we, we had the big Memorial Day rains and that flooded it, obviously. I mean, we had it planted before that. and then, Well, it got flooded in March, sorry, and then it got then we, it got dried up. We got a bunch of hot wind there, you know, and stuff, and it, it, we pumped it off and it dried and everything, and then we had it all planted clear to, the, clear to the road, and now we have a shark in it, like you said. My conversation with Kevin Siffering. He farms just south of Rising City, between Rising City and Surprise. Our Big Iron Realties, Fridays in the Field. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. We're joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, the USDA uh, making some head spin today. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, surprise there with the, uh, you know, the market's basically getting a huge 91 million acre number, which is, in my opinion, probably about 2 million acres too high from where they were in the last report. So I, I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting report. 
Now, you're on the road right now. Kind of talk to us what you're seeing and, and how the crops are looking where you're at. I apologize for that. Um, no, I drove from Chicago to the Quad Cities last night and didn't see any corn. So I don't know, you know, I understand the acres are there, but this is still a production issue. It's not just about planted acres. We have, uh, you know, yield to think about. And the more acres that are going to be planted, at least that they're at, I mean, they're going to be fringe acres. do know a lot of folks from Texas that did switch. But um, in my opinion, uh, the head scratcher comes given the fact that two weeks ago we, we heard the number was going to be in the low 80s. Now you're talking about 91. Um, these are two different agencies that report this number. So we could see some discrepancy in the coming WASDE. I don't think I would be selling this thing down today. It certainly depends on how much we grow relative to the yield. But, um, you know, from the standpoint of corn, this is a value play. If, you, if you're in this thing for the long term, you believe that the, that the corn is going to have a tough year, I think you want to be very careful to be selling it when it's weak. Then we also have the added political pressure over the weekend of President Trump at the G20 summit meeting with China's president. Any feelings or concerns there? No, not a lot. I think it sounds like the rhetoric is going to be, you know, a date for another date, so to speak. And, uh, you know, if, it, if we don't get that, I think markets could be down on, uh, on, the, uh, on the open Sunday night. But in reality here, I think the market is, this is a pretty good spot. I think 420 didn't get filled today on the corn. I think it would have filled the gap if it was going to go that low. Um, you know, I just think this is a, uh, a little blip in the radar, and, and we'll move on from it here. The, the next big number will come out the second week in July. So, uh, you know, I, it's just a kind of a head-scratcher and, and where they're seeing the acre, extra acres come in. But uh, right now, if, if you sold the board, I would be looking to take profits here. I don't think you want to push this thing too further. All right, again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Market in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. For more information, you can always visit their website. That's danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com, where you can go and visit and feature all their information. Again, looking back at today's report, the stock's not not as bad, but it was the Anchorage number that really caught traders off surprise with corn coming out at 91.7 million acres, down from above the average analyst estimate of 87, even above the top end of the range of analyst estimates at 88.8 million acres while soybeans on the other hand coming out at 80 million acres down below the average analyst estimate of 84.5 that was even below the bottom end of the average range of analyst estimates at 83 million acres you're listening to the rural radio network That'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com, Twitter, our app, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.